everyone. Thank you so much for joining me as I kick off my new and very first podcast, The Loose Gardener. Today is 2-22 of 2022 on a Tuesday. <laughs> Who isn't excited by that? That's a lot of twos, people. 22 has always been my number. I was born on a 22 NFL Hall of Famer and my hometown legend Emmett Smith wore the number 22, need I say more? So I felt like the day for this podcast release just had to be today. I was reading about the number two not long ago and came across this description. The number two vibrates with the powerful harmonizing energy that brings people together, but in a quiet behind the scenes way. I love that. Don't you love that? I couldn't have come up with any better words to describe what I hope this podcast will accomplish. I just have to say, this is such an exciting time for me to be launching this endeavor. It's energizing and nerve-wracking and surreal and daunting and fascinating and stressful and joyous, all wrapped up into like this one giant mass or could be messed depending on the day. But I just want to express what an honor it is to share all of it with you. My name is Amanda J. Schulz, and I'll be your host for this journey. Chances are some of you listening might already know me, but to others of you, I might be brand new. So here's a little bit about me. I'm a mom of two beautiful children. Nate just turned 12 and Alice just turned a whopping five going on 22. We have a mini Aussie named Ginger and an adopted Mexican cat. I could record an entire episode on the story of how my husband and I brought that cat back from Mexico, but that's for another time. Her name is Kalima, named after the state where we were vacationing. I've been married for, wait for it, 22 years to my high school sweetheart, John, having dated for nine years prior to that, and the whole lot of us called Dallas, Texas, our home. I'm an attorney, a real estate broker, a master gardener, and a beekeeper with a serious passion for pollinators and a penchant for honeybees. I write, I paint, I decorate cakes. I'm rarely not serving on a philanthropic board, sometimes multiple boards at once. I appreciate a good Bloody Mary with medium spice on a Saturday morning And if you throw in pickled okra, I will really love you. I crave an icy cosmopolitan on any evening as the sun goes down. I believe that any recipe that calls for buttermilk will rarely steer you wrong. And I like trying new recipes, but love even more those tried and true standby dishes with a history. Blank walls. Uh, Blank walls in my home almost offend me. I believe that every wall should be filled with art. I don't know what I'm going to do when I fill all of them. I might have to buy a second house. I'm fascinated by the various shapes of seeds in the world, and I love collecting them. Truth be told, I sometimes commit petty larceny on a few unsuspecting gardens, stealing away a few pods here or there and placing them into my pockets. The problem that I have... I often forget what I steal. I sing a lot. 
I sing in the shower. I sing in the car. I sing my littlest one to sleep. I used to do the same thing for the big one. Lately, I've been competing in dance-offs in my kitchen with my daughter. She likes to also serve as the judge, always declaring herself the winner, but I'm okay with that. Um, my second home is always the ocean. I love the cadence of ocean waves, but preferably from the shore as I easily get seasick. Queasiness also finds me on a descending airplane. I'm a photographer, and if I could photograph only one thing, it would be mushrooms. I adore them. Let's see. Um, I majored in sociology, so I love to ponder the workings of things like social constructs and religions and it baffles me how so many of us consciously move towards social progress, but we still all somehow long to be part of a tribe. Um, I am very spiritual by nature, so when I need to center, I do things like meditate or read scripture or listen to the poetry of music or simply just close my eyes and breathe deeply. But when I'm really off center or mad as a wet hen, I dig in the dirt. Let me tell you, there is no better therapy than grabbing a shovel and plunging it into the earth. Let's see. Uh, what else? Oh, I believe that the best days begin with a cup of coffee and a lazy walk through the garden. And I wholeheartedly believe that we are first and foremost spiritual beings secondarily living in the shell of a body, and thirdly, using our minds. I had a very wise woman introduce me to this concept not long ago, and trust me, if you take this order on, it will completely alter the way you look at life. You've probably had the concept of mind, body, spirit thrown at you for years. I know I have. We all just take that order, accept it, and swallow it up as part of our identity. But I encourage you to turn that on its head and try spirit, body, mind on for size. Yeah, I know. Something feels really right about it, doesn't it? Really right. So let's see. How about the shadow side of me? Um, words are very important to me. Probably too important. That whole sticks and stones thing is malarkey. Words, for whatever reason, penetrate me in a way that nothing else quite does. I will forgive you, but I have a very difficult time forgetting your words. I will remember the setting. I'll remember the exact tone. I'll remember the look in your eyes, the language of your body, what I was wearing, the sounds around me, how the light filtered into the room. I do not forget. It's a thing I have to work on, the letting go of words. There is a caveat to this. Words only really matter to me if the person saying them matters to me. Otherwise, I go on down the road. But if your words are lies, well, Katie, bar the door. I'll remember that no matter who you are. Another struggle of mine, people coming to my home unannounced or on very short notice. And by very short, 
I'm talking like as long as a four hour window. This is a terrible one. It's so bad that I will literally sometimes have massive attacks of anxiety and panic. And it's only gotten worse the older I get. I know where it stems from. My mother kept a beautifully tidy home at all times. Beds were made, things were put away. In my childhood mind, it seemed like carpets were always vacuumed. That can't be true, can it? Towels were always precisely folded and stacked. Clothes weren't ever hanging on a chair. Even toys and games had all their functioning pieces. I'm telling you right now, if four people want to play Candyland at my house, you can guarantee that one of you isn't getting a gingerbread pawn. You'll have to play with like a Barbie high heel and like it. It's the truth. I can't avoid it. I have never been able to achieve that tight of a household. My cousin has a similar problem to me. Her mother, my mother's sister, labeled everything. She's always felt as though she fell short. Despite knowing that each of us has our unique strengths and that my personality requires me to be out in the world as much as possible, actually masquerading as an extrovert when I'm really an introvert, that's a whole other topic, I still somehow feel the need to achieve a home environment like my mother. It's a subject that John and I argue over most. He would love to be married to my mom instead of me when it comes to this. We argue over that and what constitutes a waffle. We've had this old Sears waffle iron that was my grandparents probably from the 60s that we still use in our house. Okay, picture this. It has a single surface divided into four squares by lines. Um, So you pour the batter over the whole surface, but it's divided. I say that it makes four waffles. He says that it makes one. This is ridiculous. Honestly, can you imagine asking for a waffle with your eggs and bacon? Hey, I'd like a waffle and getting that gigantic thing. No one is eating that much waffle unless you're at one of those famous roadside diners in the sticks where people attempt to eat gargantuan amounts of food to get their meal for free. It's four waffles. There's no question. Uh, What else? Um, Oh, I don't accept enough help from other people. My mom said when I was little, one of my favorite phrases was, I do it myself. Too much independence. Sometimes not the best thing. Uh, Shadow sides. What lurks in your shadow? We all have things. Finally, those that really know me know that my biggest pet peeve right now is a grocery store shelf with no Fritos. How can people exist without Fritos? The company is called Frito-Lay for heaven's sakes. Those chips are like your signature product. You can't have bare shells all over the country. I know, first world problem. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Oh, and I guess I now do podcasts. All these various pieces kind of got me to where I am today. But as I started putting this podcast together and really digging deeper to explore how I got here, the real heart of it goes way back farther, back before any of this resume was me. I suspect how you got where you are goes way back too. 
I think the easiest uh, way to tell it to you is in a little story. An excerpt from something I wrote about myself in September of 2017. It seems like the best stories all have memorable starts, right? Whether it be Melville's Call Me Ishmael or Dickens, It Was the Best of Times, It Was the Worst of Times. Or even Eric Carle's In the Light of the Moon, A Little Egg Lay on a Leaf. Every tale that ends well begins well. So I guess if I had to begin my tale, I would simply say, in the beginning, there was a garden. And in that garden, a small girl. So let's begin with that, shall we? A past excerpt about the beginning, which gets us to the now. In the beginning, there was a garden. And in that garden, a small girl. She had a bob of dark chestnut hair and a certain precociousness, easily identifiable simply by observing her gait. And in her hand, as she hopped between the onion rows and paused beneath the peach trees, she carried a net. It was nearly a week ago that I crouched down on a sidewalk, haphazardly having myself in two, to examine the underside of a milkweed leaf, grasping the tip and turning it over ever so carefully, to hunt for something slightly larger than a human eyelash. When you decide to dig up the side yard of your home and transform it into a pollinator garden, you begin to notice the small, the bees, the wasps, the butterflies, the ladybugs, even the aphids. And once accustomed to the small, find yourself fine-tuning your anatomical lenses to the macro, the wingtip of a fly the foot of an assassin bug, the caterpillar just hatched from an egg the size of a poppy seed. It was when I came through the kitchen door, milkweed cutting in hand and exclaimed, I think this one only has two sets, that I suddenly began to wonder, who was I becoming? So quick sidebar on the two sets. I was talking about these antenna-like, they're called protuberances. Uh, They look like antenna and monarchs and queen caterpillars have them on their bodies. So queens have three sets, monarchs have two. So the caterpillar I had just discovered was a monarch. So anyway, back to the story, I exclaim, I think this one only has two sets and I'm wondering who I've become. I pondered it off and on for hours that day, in between the rest of life's activities, and finally, as the sun set on the eve of the Labor Day holiday, I realized that perhaps, just maybe, I was becoming who I had always been. I grew up in a house on Mona Lane in the southern tip of the city limits of Dallas. My dad designed the house himself, even though he wasn't an architect. That should tell you something about our family ingenuity. Our house back to Mr. and Mrs. Wilson, a retired couple with a big piece of land separated only from our lot by a chain link fence and a gate. Okay, sidebar again, but this is super interesting. Mrs. Wilson was the first woman to earn a silver star for courage under fire during World War II. She was a nurse supervising operations that included 50 other nurses in Anzio, Italy. On February 10th, 1944, the Germans bombed Anzio, 
and shrapnel ripped through the operating tent where she was working. It was said, though, that Mary, Mrs. Wilson, was undaunted in continuing to attend to the soldiers on the tables. She earned the name Angel of Anzio and was even profiled by Tom Brokaw in his famous book, The Greatest Generation. So cool. Of course, I knew nothing of that until I was an adult. To me, she was just my sweet neighbor who let me play in her garden, fed me snacks, and came to my birthday parties with her husband, Willie. Okay, back to my story again, which is now kind of seeming subpar to Mary's. Anywho, it was the best place for a kid to grow up. The Wilsons, as we called it, was a haven of exploration for me and my little brother. We'd spend our free days visiting their amicable dachshund velvet in her pen, sometimes climbing on top of her doghouse as she yipped and ran below. We'd try to dig up doodle bugs from their sandy pits under the RV carport and search for stray cats under the old trailer or along the fence lines, after which, every time, my mother would lecture us on ringworm. We'd play hide-and-seek, often stopping to sip nectar from the strings of honeysuckle on bushes that created a natural border between their land and the wooded lot next door to our house. We'd play baseball and then retreat to a fort under the canopy of a huge wisteria in their front yard, pretending the purple spring clusters were bunches of grapes. But, best of all, we'd wander through the garden. The Wilsons had a huge garden with six or so peach trees and vegetables they rotated throughout the seasons. It was the first place I saw an onion grow and the first place I pulled a carrot out of the ground. With a garden and that much open space also came the bugs. I loved nothing more than to take my net and capture insects and butterflies, ushering them carefully into my bug box and crouching to study them so very closely. My favorite were the lace wings. It was hands-on learning by me, the student, devised by me, the teacher, and I soaked it up. I thought for certain in my elementary-aged mind that the best accomplishment in life would be to grow up and have a garden. I guess looking back, it all makes sense. It makes sense that I would have talked my husband into buying a lot next door to our inner city Houston home, scraping the old burned shell of a frame that resided there and putting 3,000 square feet of vegetable rows in its place. It makes sense that the next step would have been to build a coop for a handful of chickens. It makes sense that when we moved back to Dallas, I would dive headlong into running a classroom garden at my son's school. It makes sense after that that I would absolutely refuse to settle on a home for purchase unless it had just the right amount of land space on the lot. I guess, when I look back, in all honesty, I've been jockeying to have space my whole adult life, space to become the Wilsons. So when I excitedly entered the kitchen with what I believed to be the first monarch caterpillar hatchling, I guess I was really that same little girl wandering with a net in hand, now just doing it in a 40-something body. So, yeah, I think that's really who I am at my core. That excerpt from 2017 is exactly who I still am sitting here today with you in 2022. It's probably who I'll still be when they put me in the ground someday. 
I'm just a little older now and full of much more knowledge than I even had five years ago. You know, when you start something like a podcast, people want to know why. It's the question always asked with any new venture. What's your why? John asked me, so why do you want to start this podcast? Here's the thing. Until the pandemic, I think I would have turned that question over and over in my mind, trying to come up with the right why answer before even stepping forward with an attempt. But the pandemic changed that for me. There's a strange thing about this pandemic that we've all gone through, and I suspect there are several of you out there who feel the same way I do. Now listen, I would never wish this pandemic on the world ever It has come with too high of a tragedy price, but I am at the same time somehow unbelievably grateful that it happened to me. Here's why. If you need a why, it was the first time in a very long time that I actually took time to be still. Granted, it was a forced stillness, but it was stillness all the same. And in that stillness, something started to happen. I began listening. I began listening to that deep God-given inner voice in conversation with something far greater than my own human form. And I actually felt a calling. Now, stick with me here. Here's one thing that I'm going to admit to. For the whole of my life, I have never actually believed in callings. Callings to me always seem like this thing that super religious people would talk about who wanted to equate themselves with old time prophets or teachers or healers. My apologies to those of you who have been called to something for a long time. I feel somewhat ashamed to admit my former feelings, but this podcast is going to be a place of authenticity, so I won't sugarcoat anything. Callings kind of seem like hooey to me. That's probably because I was still in that focus of mind, body, spirit, where what you do is what you have determined in your mind is the best thing to do. And you have a whole entourage of reasons to back it up. The moment I believe I knew I was being called to do something was the day John asked me, so why do you want to do this podcast? And I simply answered, because I believe I'm supposed to. That was it. No real reasons, no lists, no spreadsheets, no plan. I'm doing it because I'm supposed to. I don't need a why. And that is freeing. So take it from me. If you have been going through this time of stillness and you have feelings or urges that your life should go in a different direction, don't ignore them. Listen, listen for once you might just be experiencing your moment of calling. So in 2018, I sat my first class to become a Texas Master Gardener. I'd wanted to become a Master Gardener for years after watching my aunt in Houston complete her certification, the aunt who labeled everything. That first day, we went around the room, introducing ourselves and sharing what had brought us to the class to become Master Gardeners. I think we had about 65 people there that were selected out of over 90 applicants. About midway through, a woman stood up a little younger than me, 
there weren't actually many of us youngsters. A lot of students were retired. She was edgier than me, super cute with short blonde hair, uh, big eyes, kind of like an alternative Cupid doll. And she began to talk about her reasons for taking the class. She shared about having just gone through a very ugly divorce and that she found therapy in getting outside and working in her flower beds. I don't know what it was, but that story really impacted me. I've grown up my whole life around gardeners and the people before them were gardeners and the people before them were all plant people. But I had never really thought about gardening as much more than a means to an end concept. But something about the purity of her words and the heartfelt nature of her story got me to thinking. She was right. Skin in soil is therapy. Something magical happens when we connect with the earth. The problem is most of us have forgotten that. I kind of want to change that. So here we are, you and I. I have a vague idea of what this is all about and some idea of where it's going, but I have been handed no maps. Truth be told, I have no idea what the heck this is. But if you get down to it, do any of us know what the heck anything is until we're right smack dab in the middle of it? And guys, it is scary to put yourself out there like this. I'm telling you to sit in front of a microphone by yourself and record your own voice is super weird. To commit to writing new content every two weeks and be informative and creative and helpful, it can be a little overwhelming. But in this new place... I'm reminded of the poignant words of songwriter Mike Henderson when he wrote for Chris Stapleton, nobody wins afraid of losing. So great. So maybe let's just be in this together, discovering along the way and not beginning from a place of fear. Maybe let's do that more often in everything we do. For this time that we have together, let's just explore the natural world around us by taking a simple walk through the garden. Let's do that. Now is that point, that uncomfortable point where I know we've got some of you out there head scratching and thinking, I thought this was a podcast about plants. Okay, here's the deal. You guys are the practicals. I know who you are. Uh, You're saying, I really want to learn how to plant a geranium the right way. So I solemnly pledge to you that this will be a stop where you'll find useful information like that. But don't be surprised if you also leave with a little something extra that touches your life. For the rest of you, the great part about this podcast will be that you don't even have to be a gardener. All you have to be is human. You see, that's because we humans are connected to the earth, all of us, like it or not. You just have to remember that you are. We're going to remember together. So there's probably still at least one lingering question out there. Why the loose gardener? 
That's actually a why question that I have a very specific answer for, but you'll have to wait on that one until next time when we talk about our first perennial, the Gara. I'll be back in two weeks and I'll do this every other Tuesday, giving you practical gardening and earthly information with a twist of soul. Thank you again so much for joining me on this Maiden Voyage episode. We've christened the bow and we're setting sail. I don't know about you, but I am drenched in champagne. It has been a pleasure to share time with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, give it a like, write a review, and share it with a friend. And don't forget, until next time, dig deep and stay loose. <laughs>